When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Jared Cowley and the one and only Max Barr. It is so good to be back with a little bit of a break. I missed you guys. We missed you guys. It is so good to do this podcast again, and we have a lot of catching up to do. Rip City, we appreciate you rocking with us. Thank you to all of the folks who have subscribed to the podcast, who have given us those positive reviews, who have shared it. It goes a long way in helping this podcast continue to grow. So thank you so much for rocking with us. It's been uh, two weeks since the last time we've met, and so a, a lot has happened within Rip City. And guys, I went on vacation for a little bit, and I go on on Twitter to, to kind of catch up, to get a vibe for Rip City, you know, especially being in this pandemic that we're in. That's really the, the best way for me to gauge, like, what Blazers fans are talking about rather than actually going to the games and being at the Moda Center and oh boy, like social media is just lit. Like Rip City is mad. And the Blazers losing five out of their last seven, just the month of April being somewhat of a bummer for the Blazers who just continue to, to lose to these to the good teams. They're beating the bad teams. And so, guys, I, I want to start there before we get into our, our, our Q&A session because we've got a good one that includes LaMarcus Aldridge and just the the, the – outlook of this team and the playoff picture so we've got a jam-packed podcast to get to but guys I just want to start with your what the last uh, week and a half two weeks have been like since we haven't had a chance to to wrap so Jared I just want to bring you in first and, and get your opinion on how life has been man it is really hard to be optimistic about the Blazers right now um, it's just I mean you know that I am usually the optimistic one on this podcast and maybe I'm just trying to fill the Nate void here with a little bit of pessimism, but um, I don't think I've been, I don't even want to say I'm down on this team, but maybe just I had higher expectations for this team and I'm being met with reality now. Maybe that's what it is, but yeah, it's really hard to be optimistic about this team right now. I think that looking at Blazers Twitter and just how on fire it has been, um, I think that I haven't seen it like this since the first loss of the season to the Bucks, mm. And we've talked about that on the podcast after that happened. And in that, in that time, I told Blazers Twitter to stop it with all of the stot slander and stuff like that. I think I'm going to walk that back right now. Not in that oh. moment. I think that in that moment we were complaining about a team that was decimated by injuries. 
But right now, this team is pretty much all the way back. You know, Yusuf Nurkic is still getting back to 100%. He's still on a bit of a minutes restriction. But this team is just getting blown out by good teams night in and night out. So however you want to feel about this team right now, feel that way. If you are upset at Stotts, that's cool. If you're upset at Olshay, go for it. If you think that this team needs to be blown up in the offseason, man, just feel how you want about this team because it has been a roller coaster of a season and I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I think that I'm still going to, we'll talk about this more later in the podcast. I'm going to hold out um, a little bit longer before I completely go down that rabbit hole, because I think that we still have yet to see hundred percent Yusuf Nurkic. And I think mm-hmm. that that will make a, a lot of difference, but every opinion out there right now about the Blazers within reason is valid. And I think that you're valid feeling however you want to feel about this team right now. Oh, and I, I feel you on, on that standpoint, Jared, and just looking, being able to cover this team for the past few years and just this fan base, I feel like is super passionate, but at the same time is one of the more forgiving fan mm-hmm. bases and is able to brush it off like, man, th- this team is so good. We love our Blazers. It's all good. We'll get them next time. And you're seeing a lot more fans that are fed up than I think we've seen um, in seasons of the past. And I think this was the peak. And that's what just caught my eye when I opened social media for the first time after taking a break and just being bombarded by it. I I just, I don't think I was ready for that level. I mean, I knew that they had lost games, but to see that I was like, oh man, like this is on another level. Max, what has been your experience in in just the, the past two weeks? Uh, before we actually get into the QA, I just want to see what, what you think about that vibe over the last two weeks, man. Well, I agree with Jared by and large. I, I don't think it's time to panic, but I do think it's time to take a look at your expectations for this team and potentially adjust those expectations. I mean, the Blazers are losing to some good teams. And some of these teams, they've had injury issues just like the Blazers have had this year. I mean, Miami doesn't have a very good record but they've had key players miss parts of the season. Boston doesn't have a great record, but they're a good team and they're rounding into form right now. So a lot of these losses, I think they need context. But, I mean, as Damian Lillard spoke about pretty candidly, they're losing to the teams that are really good and they're beating the teams that aren't very good. And it's not a small sample size. So we're going to get to this more later, but I agree with Jared. However you want to feel that's okay, but take a look at your expectations for this team in the long run. That's such a good word, Max, expectations, because that dictates so much uh, for this team especially. So I love that, and that was going to be the heart and soul of this podcast, but when we got up today, there was breaking news that involves Rip City, and so that's where we're going to start today's Q&A with this podcast and that is number one LaMarcus Aldridge announced his retirement today because of health concerns with his heart so guys let's talk about Aldridge our favorite memories of him as a blazer how we felt when he left Portland all of it now is the time hearing so much from Blazers fans the past few hours has been a lot of fun because when he left that was something I remember getting to Portland for work and being like Oh, man, like he did them dirty, like fans here are bitter. And when he made his first trip back to 
you know, the Rose Quarter to the Rose Garden to the Moda Center and uh, seeing some fans embrace him and other fans just being mad and, and booing him as his name was announced in the starting lineup. So I had always had that in, in the back of my mind. When you and came so, to Portland, was that the season after he left? Yeah. Was that first year here? Yeah. So I oh, got man. here and like one of my early assignments was, hey, it's the return of LaMarcus Aldridge to Portland. Go cover it. You know, and so I'm walking into that wondering what it's going to be like because you had some fans that were rocking the double-sided LaMarcus jersey. You know, the one that's like one half Portland, one half Spurs. Yeah. Uh, but then you had others that were just like waving at him, saying boo and all these mean things and had the signs up and stuff. So there was that whole dynamic, uh, just a polarizing topic and, and a player who has meant so much to the organization over the past couple of years. And we're going to dive into that. I'm going to dive into that, but I, I want to give the floor to, to Max Barr. Max, your thoughts on, on LaMarcus Aldridge and uh, his legacy here in Portland. I mean, just hats off on an outstanding career for him. Um, family and health are some of the most important things in life, I think. I can't blame him one bit for walking away from the game, given this news. Um, this is not the first time he's had heart issues. He was diagnosed with a rare condition um, during his rookie season with the Blazers back in 2006-07. And he also had like a heart surgery in 2011. So he's got to focus on his health, on his family. I applaud him for that. I, I basically have two lasting memories of Aldridge as a Blazer. Uh, the first one was when he kind of broke out as a rookie. I remember watching this skinny kid with this super high release, just knocking down mid-range shot after mid-range shot and running around super fast like a gazelle. And I was just like, wow, this guy, this guy is a player right now and he might be really, really good. Um, he really broke out during the second half of that season. It was one game against the Charlotte Bobcats where he scored 30 points in 26 minutes. And then unfortunately his season was cut short due to the, um, the heart condition. And then my, the other memory I have, and I, I don't think I'm alone on this one, uh, it's the 2014 playoffs, um, specifically the first round against Houston. Everyone remembers Damian Lillard's shot to end the series, but I thought I think what kind of got lost to time for a little while, although it's it's kind of bubbling back up right now, was Aldridge's performance in that series. Um, he was dominant. He he led them to wins in Game One and Game Two on the road in Houston. In game one, he had 46 points, 18 rebounds, 55% shooting. And he followed that up in game two with 43 points, 64% shooting. Oh, crazy. Mm. And, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the narrative in the playoffs is, you know, if a road team wins game one, they're kind of happy to get the split. The Blazers weren't happy. Aldridge wasn't happy. And they went up a 2-0 on Houston in Houston. So that was... I mean, that's my, probably my favorite memory of Aldridge as a Blazer. And Jared, I wanted to ask you, you're the biggest Blazers diehard out of all of us. Do you think that series was Aldridge's apex as a Blazer? Without a doubt. I don't think that, I don't even think you can make an argument for it any other stretch of games or hot streak or anything like that. When you look back to that game two victory, Aldridge's performance in that game was critical because they got good games from Mo Williams and Darrell Wright off the bench, but Dame and Wes Matthews and Nick Batum, they all had bad games 
you know, they were combined 10 for 36 from the field and three for 15 from three. So LaMarcus carried him in that game. And after game two, the Rockets figured things out. Like they really did outplay the Blazers in the next, you know, four games. The Blazers won that series because LaMarcus led them to wins in those first two games on the road. And so it was for me, I think that when I look back at Aldridge, he was always kind of a reluctant star. And sometimes he reminded me of Rashid Wallace in that way. You know, just by talent alone, when you looked at both of those players during that time when they were in the NBA, they were among the best big men in the league. And you could make the case that they were the best power forward in the game at that time by talent. But neither of them ever really wanted to fully take the reins and be that guy. And in that Houston series, Aldridge did. And it was always what Blazers fans really wanted to see from him. They knew he had the talent to just dominate and be the best, you know, in that Houston series, he was by far the best player on the court. And he could be that in just about every game that the Blazers played, but he would never really fully took the reins except for in that series. And it was, so that's my favorite memory of, of LA is because he was dominant and really showed exactly what he, what he could do if he really decided to, to embrace his role as a, as a superstar. And in that series, he was. Jared, I'm, I'm pulling up, uh, you know, LaMarcus's, I guess, statement, his, his announcement that he, that he had on, on Twitter today, um, you know, letting everyone know that he was, in fact, retiring. And I think one of the cool things was that he mentioned his teams that, that he played for and, you know, had a nice few lines on, you know, the, the Portland Trailblazers. And he said, I, th I thank Portland for drafting a skinny Texas kid and giving him a chance. The city of Portland has given me some unforgettable years. They will always remain in my heart. I think that's, that's pretty cool for, for him to do that, for him to specifically mention Portland in that, in that regard. And I'm about a half an hour removed from, from Portland's uh, press conference today where, you know, the team just had their post-practice, you know, media obligation. So it wasn't like they had one for LaMarcus or anything like that. Um, but it was cool to hear Terry Stotts and Damian Lillard both talk about him and, and what he meant. And I thought that, that Terry and, and Dame were, were both really candid with, with their responses and it's triggered a, a, a larger, I think, conversation within Blazers fans as well. And so I'd, I'd like to, to get your guys' take on this as well. And um, I'll start with, with um, Terry and him saying, you know, my second and third year, he said we overachieved primarily because of him, because of LaMarcus and what he brought to the table. He said that his first three years, that LaMarcus was the foundation of this team. And, and he hammered home the fact that, uh, he thought he thinks LaMarcus Aldridge is a top five all-time Portland Trailblazer. And Dame followed it up with, you know, LA is one of the greatest players to play in Portland and that his Jersey should be retired here. So guys, I'd like to ask you what you think about the comments to two players that are or coach and player that were heavily involved with who LaMarcus became here over, you know, his, his tenure in, in Portland, LaMarcus playing nine seasons here and, you know, 
being involved in all of the records, all, all of the uh, statistical records that matter. He's, you know, top five in, in, in a lot of them. So what do you guys think about those statements? Is, is that on par? Or do you guys disagree with him? One, being a top five all-time blazer. And two, should his number retire? Especially because that number retirement thing is something we've talked about uh, throughout the years here on the podcast. What do you think, Jared? First of the top five ranking, I think you've got three surefire players there. You've got Dame, Clyde Drexler, and Bill Walton in my mind. And then I think that you can make an argument that LaMarcus Aldridge should be in that top five. I mean, I think that he's probably the Blazers' best power forward in their history. I mean, you can make a, a case for Mo Lucas, uh, Buck Williams, um, but I think that just because of his production, I think that LaMarcus Aldridge is the best power forward in Blazers history. And so I think that, yeah, I'd put him in the top five. Um, I'd have to look at, you know, <clears throat> their history a little bit more to, to really determine who that top five would be. But I think you can make that argument for sure. As far as retiring his jersey, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the Blazers, like, what is their modus operandi for for when they retire a jersey or when they don't. I mean, there are certainly Blazers players who have had their jersey retired who are not as good as LaMarcus Aldridge. So if you're going by that argument, then yes, absolutely, he should have his number retired. But the past, I don't know, 20 years of jersey retirements have been few and far between. And so by that stretch, I don't know. Um, yes, why not? You know, he <laughs> was a major player for this organization for almost a decade. You know, he is near the top of the leaderboard with the franchise stats, you know, in, in, in many uh, important categories. And so I'd say, yeah, go for it. Let's retire. I, I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge really, even though he left and went to San Antonio, I don't think he really burned a bridge here. I think that when there was talk this season about how the Blazers might, you know, bring him back, you know, when he decided that he wanted to leave San Antonio, I think most Blazers fans were in favor of that. You know, even though maybe the fit wasn't perfect, this, the thought of having Aldridge finish his career, career in Portland was appealing to a lot of fans. And I think that it would be great to retire his jersey, have him come back for, for you know, a special night for that, you know, a halftime ceremony. Um, that would be really cool and allow Portland fans to really voice how much they appreciate him and how much they appreciated those nine seasons that he played in Portland. So, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a yes on both of those. Why not? Yeah, me too. Um, I think it's pretty cool that the current coach, Terry Stotts, could reflect on those early years of LaMarcus. I mean, there's so much coaching turnover in the NBA. It's pretty rare that, you know, he's one of the longest tenured coaches, I think. It's pretty cool that he could that he could take time to reflect on Aldridge's early career today. And I'm with you, Jared. I'm, I'm totally cool with retiring his number anyone who would get mad at that, at the thought of that, my question would be why yeah. I mean, he's definitely one of the best blazers ever. Um, I think he's better than Rasheed Wallace was uh, during his blazer years. So yeah, I'm cool with that. Would you put him top five? I'm not the historian that you are no, Jared, but, but <laughs> not uh, unless I have like the history, like on another screen here that I can look at. <laughs> I mean, I would need to look at some stuff from the early 90s yeah. as well. But yeah. um, sure, why not? Fringe top five at the least. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I'd something say... I was 
go, oh, ahead. go ahead go ahead no 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 go ahead man um i mean this is kind of related but something that i loved about aldridge when he was during his time with portland is during that time in the nba that was a time of elite power forwards if you think about all the elite power forwards in the game that were all mostly playing in the west that meant that like night in night out you got an awesome power forward matchup with aldridge and whomever he was facing up against and the thing that was cool about aldridge i've thought about it now for the past few years since aldridge left whenever the blazers have to play one of these teams and right now they're both in la that have great forwards you're always like, man, how are the Blazers going to match up with those guys? Who's going to defend them? But when Aldridge was here, you never had to worry about that because he was a good offensive player, but he was also a good defensive player. So when he matched up against Tim Duncan in San Antonio or Dirk Nowitzki in Dallas, uh, Kevin Garnett, and then Kevin Love later in Minnesota, Anthony Davis in New Orleans, you always knew that it was going to be a good matchup and that many nights the Blazers would have the advantage or at least a draw in that matchup. And so I was always excited to get to see those guys battle in the post and, 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 you know, sometimes out in the mid range um, that, you know, you had that elite power forward era that you kind of have it now with point guards, but back then it was power forwards and, and the Blazers had one of the best. Yeah. And that's why his, I think he had four all-star appearances with the Blazers. It was either three or four. I think it was four. But it's why those are such great accomplishments. He's going against Duncan, Dirk, Blake Griffin, KG, yeah. Kevin Love. Yeah, I left Griffin so, out. You're right. Yeah, I mean, he's he was one of the best. I think that uh, that also adds to the sting of of when mm-hmm. he left. You know, being in the prime of his career, just putting up crazy numbers. Uh, you know, top, top three scoring. I think he was number one in rebounds for the franchise. Like there were all these things. And I don't think there was basically this hole that was left and it was like, where do we go from here? You know, he wanted more and you know, this Dame, I think put it best in in hashtag form and just saying what could have been hashtag what could have been. And I think that's the, the sting uh, with LaMarcus is because you know how hard it is to get an all-star. You know how hard it is to have two all-stars on your team. And that seems to be the minimum, the, the recipe to get over the hump and win a championship. And for Blazers fans, that's hard to let go of, you know, because you're like, man, we, we could have traded him. We could have gotten something. He, he could have let us know that whole discussion. And so it's like, man, this dude was, he was balling out that, that, that Houston series and seeing those numbers and thinking about that. It's like, man, like this guy was the best at his, at his position for, for a time, you know, or arguably. Um, so it, it's, it's really cool. And it's, it's a classy thing that, that the Blazers are at this point, both team and, and um, you know, the team and sharing their love on, on social media. I like to see that type of stuff because it's easy to be bitter and upset about stuff that happens. And, uh, you know, Dame was, was reflecting today on some of those memories and, and just saying, you know, when, when I, when I became an all-star, I got to go to new Orleans with him and, and share that. And he said, when I first got in the league, he was like, man, like I get to play with LaMarcus. This is cool. You know, <laughs> to, to hear him light up, to, to have who many consider to be the Blazers greatest player of all time who is in the MVP conversation talking like he is a rookie 
like him reflecting on those moments again is it's like, oh, it's, it's refreshing to hear Dame talk like that sometimes, you know, where he came in and was like, I just wanted to be uh, to compliment his game. You know, I wanted to be his, his running mate. I wanted to be his, his, his point guard and whether things were good or bad, I want to be there for him. And so I, I, I really enjoyed uh, hearing from Dame today about it because I think it, it helps put things in perspective. And when you have a guy like Dame co-signing and saying he's one of the all-time greats here in Portland, uh, that's pretty cool. And so I think this is a, a good discussion um, to have right off the top in the podcast. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to add before we move on? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Do you, do, you guys, uh, do you guys remember how the Blazers got LaMarcus Aldridge? They traded for him in the draft. They, mm. they were... They had the fourth pick, right? Aldridge was drafted number. The Blazers had the fourth pick in the draft, 2006 draft. Yeah. The Bulls took Aldridge number two and traded him to the Blazers for the number four pick, who Stroh was Miles Tyrus Swift, right? Tyrus Thomas. Oh yeah, Tyrus Thomas. That's right. Oh man. That's right. And uh, and also Victor Criapa. <laughs> that's right. So that trade worked out okay for the Blazers. Yeah, it did. <laughs> oh, Tyrus Thomas. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about when Aldridge left uh, Portland um, because I think that was a tough moment for all Blazers fans. And I think a lot of Blazers fans were mad at him because he said, you know, the year before that he wanted to retire as the greatest Blazer. But I, I was upset when he left because of the lost potential. That Blazers team with him and Dame at the front was special. And I think it had championship potential. And I think if they had stayed together, I think they would have contended for championships for the next few years. Um, that team had a lot. I mean, you think about the start some of those teams got off to when they had Dame and Wes Matthews and Nick Batum and L.A. and Robin Lopez. Those were really good teams. And Wes Matthews came back. He wasn't the same player as he was after that Achilles injury, but he did come back. He was still a very effective player for a few years. If they had brought that whole be- whole team back, I think they, they would have contended for championships. And so losing that was why I was upset, but I wasn't mad at him. You know, I thought the smear campaign that was levied against him after he left was really unfortunate and, un- and unnecessary. And I think that made me kind of feel like, man, why are they, why are they treating this guy who was here for nine years and was a great player and a good ambassador for the city? And, you know, why are they doing that to him? I didn't think that was right. I think also one of the reasons he gave for going to San Antonio at the time was that he wanted to be closer to his children. And for me, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. I'm a softie for that kind of stuff. That resonated with me. And so, like, I knew he had reasons that he wanted to leave Portland. And those reasons, you know, I was able to look at it objectively, they made sense. But losing that potential of Dame and CJ, you know, in, or sorry, Dame and CJ, Dame in LA, in LA's prime and Dame approaching his prime, it hurts. And I think that, that'll always hurt the what if, what could have been, like you said. Um, but yeah, I, I was upset, but I wasn't mad. LA, uh... It's interesting that, you know, you mentioned family and that was also one thing that, that, that Dame brought up. And it's, I think that's, that's probably the, the biggest bummer for any player is that 
they're not given the opportunity to finish things out on their own terms. And to, to not have that opportunity, but there are more important things like you, like you mentioned, Jared, and, and that's your health and, and your family. And Max, you touched on that at the top of this as well. And that's, that's the most important thing. Like, yeah, it's a bummer. You can't play basketball anymore, but you're here, you know, and in a moment that he described as, as just scary to, to leave a basketball game, to be, you know, one of the looked at as, as a very fit person yeah. health wise and to know like, whoa, I can't play anymore. What's going on? Like, am I okay? And to know that he's still going to be able to do things after basketball and still have his family who, you know, his kids matter to him more than anything. So I think that's, that's the positive in all of this and that is weaved in and out of, of this story. And regardless of how you feel about him as the player and, and what happened here in Portland, like that, that's the most important thing with, with all of this is, is that he's all right and that he'll still be able to be here with his family. 100%. Guys, no easy way easy way to segue no. <laughs> uh, out of that, but uh, let, let's keep it moving and get to question number two, and that's that the Blazers, they're in a slump. They've lost five of their past seven games. So, guys, what's behind the slump? Do you think it can be fixed, and do you see any reason for optimism going forward? I'll kick this one off. Um, yeah, it's been frustrating. You know, it's concerning to me that the Blazers, they haven't won games against the teams above them in the Western Conference standings. Uh, you guys have spoken on this before on the podcast. Uh, their recent slump includes losses to the Clippers and Jazz. They're 0-2 against the Jazz, 0-2 against the Suns, 0-2 against the Clippers, 0-1 against the Nuggets, 1-1 against the Lakers. The good news is they're 2-1 against Dallas, who is you know, nipping at their heels, which, so the Blazers have the tiebreaker there. They're not going to play any more games with the Mavericks. And Damian Lillard spoke really honestly and candidly about this very issue after they lost to the Jazz. He said, when we play against the top level teams, we don't play well, we get put away. At Phoenix, we got put away. Tonight, we got put away. At Denver, we got put away. Milwaukee at home got put away. Against the Clippers got put away. It's not like it's a small sample size. It's what happens. And he's right. So that's really concerning. And that's why I spoke about, you know, adjusting expectations at the top of the podcast. There, is, there are still some games remaining against these top teams in the West. They've got one more against the Clippers, two more against the Nuggets, one more against the Lakers, one against the Jazz, and one against the Suns. But that's not to mention games against the Celtics and Nets still. They've got three games against the Grizzlies over a six-day stretch. Um, but I do see some optimism, and I do see a way they can turn this around, and his name is Yusuf Nurkic. Hmm. Um, he's not playing in back-to-backs right now. Last time he did, he sat out the next game with knee inflammation, which was pretty concerning, but then he came back the next game. Um, and I wanted to focus on the loss to the Celtics in particular, uh, I thought the Blazers were outplayed throughout this game, but they had a chance to win because yet again, they did well in the clutch. And if not for Jason Tatum outdaming Dame, the Blazers would have got that win. Um, 
the team up the minutes restriction for Nurkic in the game. He was playing about 20 minutes a game. He played 26 against the Celtics. He had eight points, nine rebounds, seven assists, three steals, and a block. But I think his most important number was his plus minus. He was plus 19 in the game, which led the team. Now, his backup, <laughs> friend of the podcast, we love him, and his canter, he was minus 18. Uh, <laughs> we pretty rough. Love you, <laughs> yeah. And this canter come back. I love the disclaimer, Jared. <laughs> it wasn't good. Uh, so, like, if Nurkic can play 28 to 30 minutes sooner rather than later, I think they have a good chance to win some of these games down the stretch because of what he brings on the defensive end. And you guys have spoken about this quite a bit. Um, the bad news is they still have three back-to-backs, mm. including one next week against the Clippers and the Nuggets. So the Nuggets is a second of a back So, right. Yeah. Um, but Nurkic's time on the floor, I think, is going to be key to this team rounding in the, into form before the playoffs start. Yeah, Max is right. Um, if you're looking for optimism, it is almost solely – in the hands of Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, talking about the slump, I mean, it's like I said at the beginning of the podcast, it is a, it is really hard to be optimistic about this team right now. The the records that, that Max laid out for you against the teams ahead of them in the standings makes it, when, when I try to look ahead to the playoffs and think about potential playoff matchups, I don't see a single good one for the Blazers. I mean, you can kind of look at maybe one matchup would be better than the other, but I'm I right now I wouldn't pick the Blazers to win any playoff series against any of these you know potential opponents. Um, I think that the most frustrating thing is just they're not competitive. I mean, other they were competitive in the Boston game, but before that they weren't competitive in any of these games against against good teams. They're getting blown out. You know, the the, the four games before the 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 Boston loss, those four losses to the Bucks, the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Heat, they lost by a combined 64 points. And we've talked about what has kind of felled this team all season long has been their bad defense. But in this stretch, it's been bad on offense and defense. It's been both. In the past seven games, Portland's offense ranks 16th. And their defense ranks 18th. And the more I look at it, I'm, I'm starting to think our old friend Nate might be right. I mean, this defense might just be bad all season long. And the reason is Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor continue to play big minutes for this team. And they've continued to play a lot of minutes together. And it's just a really bad matchup. Even in the Boston game, when both of them had good games, I and mean, you just look at the box score, they both played well. But the Blazers were still outscored by seven points in their 15 minutes together on the court because the defense those two put out there is just so bad. When they're out on the court together, offense, the offenses they're playing now have two players that they can hunt with switches. And they're going to do that, and they are doing that until the Blazers show they can stop it. But if those two are on the court together, they can't stop it. And if you try to look at crafting some lineups that work with, without putting them together on the court, it's almost impossible to find that. You know, you, you kind of have to play them some minutes together unless you just cut Carmelo's minutes to nothing or next to nothing. And that's not going to happen. The Blazers haven't shown any willingness to do that. And I don't even know if that would be the right move or not. So I think that the, the defense is probably going to continue to struggle. But the offenses have been, been bad, too. And you look at it right now in the past seven games, you know, the offense has been bad. 
And I think a big reason for that is because Damian Lillard is in a, an offensive slump right now. And he's actually been in a slump for longer than just seven games. It goes all the way back to the Dallas game on March 21st. Uh, he sat out one game against the Magic since then, but in the 12 games he's played during that stretch, he's averaging 22.3 points, but he's shooting 37.9% from the field and 33.6% from three. And obviously that's not going to cut it. I mean, this Blazers offense is good because of how good Dame is. And so when he's slumping, the Blazers offense is going to slump. But that is actually, for me, another reason for optimism. Because it might just be that Dame is hurt. You know, he's been dealing with a handful of nagging injuries. He's talked about that. He did sit out that game against the Magic because of that. So if he's hurt, he might continue to struggle the rest of the season if he's playing through injuries. But if it's just a slump, then Dame's going to come out of that slump because he always does. And when he does, I believe the offense is going to start humming again. And so that's the hope. The other reason for hope and optimism is Yusuf Nurkic. He's kind of been my beacon of hope on this podcast all season long. I, he'll fix the defense. He'll enhance the offense. He'll save the Blazers. Well, I've gotten to the point now where I'm just impatiently waiting for his minutes, minutes restriction to be lifted. They need a Yusuf Nurkic, like Max said, who can play 30 minutes a game. Man, it would be amazing if they had a Yusuf Nurkic who was able to play like 35, 36 minutes a game like Damon CJ do. I don't think that's realistic, but that was that would really take this team to the next level because of how impactful he is. The Blazers' defense gives up 10.6 fewer points per 100 possessions when he's on the court. Since he came back 10 games ago, his defensive rating is 103.9. That's, I mean, the Blazers' defensive rating for the season is like 116. And that just shows you that the massive impact he has when he's on the court. When he's on the court, the Blazers' defense is actually good and their offense is good too but he just needs to be on the court more the past 10 games. Since he came back, he's only playing 21 minutes per game. And in those 168 total minutes he's played in the past 10 games, the Blazers have outscored their opponents by 37 points. They're a really good team when he plays, but he's just not playing enough in the starting lineup. They've had since they traded for Norm Powell and, and Nurk came back. It's still doing really well. They've now played 101 minutes together. They're outscoring teams by 18 points per 100 possessions. Their defense is elite when those five share the court. They're giving up 100.9 points per 100 possessions. That's really, really good. That's like top of the league defense. Their offense is 119 points per 100 possessions with those five. So somehow they have to find a way to get more time for, those, for that unit together. And the key to that is Yusuf Nurkic playing more. And so I'm just waiting for that minutes restriction to be lifted for him to be able to approach 30 minutes a game. And even if, man, if he could surpass that, uh, I mean, that that's that's your reason for hope. That's your reason for optimism because when he plays, the Blazers are really good. When he doesn't, they're really bad. So they just need more Nurk. I agree with you guys. Uh, that's been kind of the, one of the big storylines this whole year was, was when Nurk comes back, when Nurk comes back. And... I've been on, on, on your side, Jared, on a lot of this uh, in terms of, of just the Nurkic angle because of how impactful he is. And that Celtics game, for a lot of reasons, but Nurk at the top of the list is a reason for optimism that this team can get it turned around and can be competitive and find a way to beat good teams because there, there wasn't a, a double-digit deficit in that Celtics game. They were competitive throughout. 
um, the offense flowed more. And I know that some of that has to do with how the Celtics were attacking Damian Lillard because teams in a, during this stretch or so have all decided to just blitz Dame, take him out of it. And yeah, he's, he's banged up, but historically speaking, that's been the recipe for success against the Blazers. And so Dame's got to find a way to, to break through, which we know he's going to. It's only a matter of time. We knew he wasn't going to be able to shoot at this crazy clip that, that he was early on, but it's Damian Lillard. Like this is an MVP candidate and that's going to come back around whether he has to force it himself or his uh, running mates make defenses pay and uh, make those defenses a little more honest. So one of those two things is going to happen and this team's going to get back on track, but Yusuf Nurkic is such a big reason why this team will, will be competitive against those good teams. And it's because how bad that defense has been. It was nice to see Nurk in that playmaking role because he's such an underrated playmaker offensively. Uh, Jared, you've touched on this a lot over the past and the way that he's able to distribute the ball, his vision as a big man, the way he's able to set players up like most big men cannot do. And so he does that. And then on the other end, that that pairing of Ennis Cantor and Carmelo Anthony, it's rough. Like there, there's no denying it. When those two are out there, like the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, the eye test is there as well. However you you watch your basketball, when those two are out there defensively, it hurts the team. It really does. When you look at Ennis Cantor, you say, okay, well, I can live with that because he's giving us rebounds, right? Um, he, he's giving the offense second opportunities. He's allowing a different style of basketball for this team to, to stay in games. When Melo is hitting his shots, when he's on fire, like we've seen him do, you're willing to substitute that. But the problem is when he's not hitting, when he misses a couple of shots in a row and he starts jacking those shots up, the Blazers are in trouble and it happens so fast where, you know, you're thinking how much time can Dame be on the court? How, how much time can the, uh, the starting five stay out there? That lineup that you mentioned, Jared, that has just been so stout. Uh, that's all of this has like a, a domino effect. And like my concern when we were thinking back to this, uh, I'd probably say a couple months ago was this is going to catch up to Dame. Like at some point he can't be playing these hard minutes where every game, regardless of competition, especially for those bad teams, Dame has to be out there in the final minutes where stars on other teams are resting. Like that's adds up. Like there's, there's only so much gas in the tank be, before it starts to wear on you. And I do think that at some point here in these next 18 games, the Blazers have to make a decision on how do we rest Damian Lillard? How, how do we, find a chance to give him time on the bench. And I know Dame doesn't want to do that. I know Dame doesn't want to hear that. Dame is the most competitive player on this team, but someone has to step up and be like, Dame, you've got to sit this one out. And so even in those, like, it, it's a bummer. It's like, when do you want him to sit? You, you would think, okay, they played Detroit. Let's have Dame sit. Right. But why are they down at halftime to the Pistons? Like, why does Dame have to exert this much energy? And so it, it all has an impact. So their, their terrible defense is impacting their offense. 
it's impacting their star player. And so the, the frustration to segue back to that with this fan base, like I get it because of those expectations that Max has brought up. And that's, you know, we, we heard them, we've heard them say preseason after preseason, we're going to focus on the defense. The defense is going to get better. We have championship aspirations. This is a championship team. We're, we've got better players than we did the year before. They got a taste of it by going to the Western Conference Finals. This team has experience. Like, they have all these things that Rip City has been waiting for, that has been patient with for the past few years. And so on that side of things, like, I can understand the level of frustration that now exists for Portland. And that one little seed, that one little nugget that makes this all work is Yusuf Nurkic. And if, and if we can see a healthy 100% Yusuf Nurkic out there, they've got a shot. They, they've got a shot to, to get out of the first round, barring, you know, if they're, if they're paired up with the Lakers or someone like that. But this team is a totally different team when they have Yusuf Nurkic. And it's a shame that, that we haven't seen it for, for many different reasons. And I'm sure that within that locker room, there had to be frustration with Nurkic. You know, like, yeah, we know he's he's dealt with with personal things right out of the gate with family things that family comes first, as we mentioned in this podcast, and there's not much you can do about that. And when he comes back, he's out of shape, has to get in shape. All of these things like they this team knows how important Nurkic is. And when they can get him back in now that we're down to 18 games, like we've got it. It's go time. Like they're out of time. And so. Even Jared, hearing Jared kind of make that move to become a Nate <laughs> in all of this, like it's it's understandable because the clock is is, is ticking on this team right now. Yeah, and I, I think the the team is doing the right thing, being cautious with Nurkic and his minutes. You know, he he apparently had a calf strain during his rehab. Uh, we don't know how bad that was, so I, I just think we got to be patient. Mm-hmm. And you know we saw the increase last game. I would expect he plays the same amount of minutes in their next game, and maybe they go up from there. But but we'll see. But I think being cautious is the right approach at this point. I agree. The reasons for optimism, they're real. I mean, I think if if Dame gets gets back to playing like Dame, and Yusuf Nurkic is healthy enough to play, you know, at close to peak Nurkic levels for. 28, 30 minutes a game, then I actually do think this this team can be good and beat good teams and even, you know, be competitive in the playoffs. But those reasons for optimism also make me really nervous because Dame has talked about how many nagging injuries he's dealing with right now. And there's no there's no space really for rest on this schedule the rest of the way. And this is a brutal schedule. They're playing the third most difficult remaining schedule in the NBA the rest of the way. There's no there's no real games where very few that he could, you know, take off and, and you give the Blazers, a, you know, a legitimate shot to, to win that game. He's not going to want to sit out those games. So I don't know if, I mean, if it is injuries, that's, that's the reason behind his slump, then I don't know if he's going to turn it around. And the same thing with Yusuf Nurkic. I mean, your, your level of optimism is tied to your level of confidence and Nurk one getting back to 100%, and then two staying healthy. 
Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Nurkic has become, he is an injury prone player. And so much of the Blazers, you know, success this season and future success depends on him being on the court and being healthy. And it's really hard to be confident in that anymore because of how often he gets hurt and how much time he misses. And so there are reasons for optimism, but I'm not 100%, not even close to 100% confident in those reasons, you know, panning out. And, and that's, that's a scary place to be. Guys, I'm going to, we're going to move along pretty quick here, but let's get, let's knock out the, the third question as, as quick as we can, because we still got more to get to, but number three is instead of picking games, like we normally do, we make our predictions. Let's just talk about the playoff race. Portland is in sixth place, one game ahead of the seventh place, Dallas Mavericks. Do you guys think that Portland will avoid the play in tournament? Did you guys see Luka Doncic's buzzer beater last <laughs> night? Yes, oh, I did. He, he, he stumbled into a game-winning three-pointer at the buzzer in a win over the Grizzlies. And that was a huge game for the Blazers. So I want to look at the Blazers' next nine games and Dallas's next nine games. And you guys tell me which, which set of games sounds easier. So the Blazers, we're going at Spurs, at Hornets, home against the Clippers, home against the Nuggets, two games at home against the Grizzlies, at the Pacers, at the Grizzlies, and at the Nets. Meanwhile, Dallas has got the Knicks, Kings, Pistons, and two games against the Lakers at home. We we don't think LeBron is going to be back for those games, but Anthony Davis might be back for one of them. Then Dallas plays the Kings, Warriors, Pistons, and Wizards. Those games, I think, are much easier than the games the Blazers have to face. Um, I think at the end of those nine games, I think the Mavericks, I think they're going to catch the Blazers. And right now, today, I think the Blazers are more likely to be in the playing game than the sixth seed. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. Uh, Max just gave you the game-by-game breakdown. Uh, I did mention it before. According to Tankathon, the Blazers have the third most difficult remaining schedule in the NBA, uh, but Dallas has the easiest remaining schedule. And so it just makes complete sense. Sorry, that was my daughter. That (laughs) Dallas is going to catch Portland and move ahead of them, and Portland's probably going to end up in the play-in tournament. Um, that seems like the most likely scenario to me because the Blazers have not been beating the good teams. So in order for you to see the Blazers hold on to sixth or even move up to fifth or fourth or something like that, you have to believe that this team is all of a sudden going to start beating all these good teams on their remaining schedule because the rest of the schedule, it's almost all good teams now. And I'm not confident enough to go there at this point. I mean, I think they're, they're three and a half games ahead of the eighth-place Grizzlies, four games ahead of the ninth-place Warriors and Spurs. I don't think they're going to drop that far unless the wheels completely fall off. And they're two and a half games behind the fifth-place Lakers, three and a half behind the fourth-place Nuggets. I don't see them moving up to five or four, even if they really start to put things together. So the most likely scenario is Dallas passes the Blazers, the Blazers finish seventh and are in the play-in tournament. And to me, what a disappointment that would be. Last season, Portland had a horrible regular season, and they used this magical run in the bubble to make the play-in tournament, and that was really fun. They got into the playoffs, they lost to the Lakers, but it was a fun end to the regular season. But we came into this season, expectations were much higher 
I mean, when we talked about this in the preseason, we talked about, you know, I picked the Blazers to finish second. I think Orlando, you and, and, and Nate both had them third or fourth. So if they were to fall, you know, stumble back into the seventh seed in the play-in tournament, you can't sugarcoat that. That's a disappointment. I don't care about the injuries. That's a disappointment. And I don't think any Blazers fan in that scenario would be confident going into the first round of the playoffs that they can do anything better than maybe a gentleman sweep. So right now, I mean, I'm not feeling optimistic right now. And I hope that the Blazers change my mind going forward. They've had second half stretches before where they have, where they've become this dominant team and they go into the playoffs on an upswing. But right now I, I, I have to see more than this team is showing me getting blown out every time they play a, a, a good team. I just, how can I be optimistic when that's what's, that's what I'm seeing out there on the court. I hate when you guys use logic and, <laughs> you know, numbers and, you know, things like that, but I'm going to hold on. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't think they're going to pass them. I, I, I think I, I'm going to stay strong another week or so um, with this team. I want to see them see if they can figure this thing out. They do have that, that game cushion yeah. against the Mavericks and the Mavericks schedule is weak. We know that. And they and, have a tiebreaker against the Mavericks. Yes, tiebreaker too. Yep, and they have the tiebreaker against them. And I don't expect now that the Lakers are going to be at full strength, they've they've weathered the storm. And so I don't think that they're going to fall back enough for the Blazers to move up, even if the Blazers are winning games. But I wonder about the Nuggets. How good are the Nuggets going to be right now? How will Jamal Murray's injury impact them? Will they use it as fuel or or will they use it as a crutch? I'm curious to see how, how they'll respond. The one thing I will say is that, you know, the, the likelihood is that, that they do get caught. And if they do, no one wants that smoke of being in that play-in tournament. No one wants it because there are more variables involved. There are more ways that you can slip up and somehow find yourself not in the playoffs, even though you were the seven seed. Um, but I will say that looking at the potential matchups, the Phoenix Suns are number two. So if somehow you end up being the seven seed, would you rather face the Suns or would you rather face, let's say, the Clippers right now? Would you rather face the Lakers? If I was given those options, Phoenix might be a little bit of a better option for me than those other teams. If you can't get Denver. So that's my one you know, <laughs> positive spin on this. If the Blazers find themselves in the play-in tournament, is that you could end up as the seventh seed and face the Suns if that holds true. <laughs> well, and we've seen before the Blazers have been in playoff situations. Um, the first round series against the Thunder comes to mind. I remember the two of you and Nate all picked the Blazers to lose the series. The Thunder oh, yeah. had, had swept the season series against the I Blazers, if I remember correctly. Oh, you didn't? Oh, that's right, Jerry. Yeah, I actually did. No, you nailed it. One, yeah. No, sorry about oh, that. Yeah. But, me, and Nate, me and Nate were bombing them. We yeah, were like, you, and Nate were, you and Nate were passionate about it. And yep. the Blazers just flipped it. You know, like the regular season games didn't matter. The Blazers played great. The Blazers won the series. So, you know, that's why they play the game. But it doesn't look good. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a nice, nice way of putting it. You know, it doesn't look good. 
But if right it, now, it's just none of those playoff matchups look good. Oh, if they oh. have to play, like, like if they play the Jazz, I don't oh. think they beat the Jazz if they play no. the Suns. I mean, the Suns have had their way with Portland so far this season. They have. You know, I just, I don't, except for maybe Denver, even even Denver. Like, I don't, I mean, I think that losing Jamal Murray is a huge blow, but I still think that's a really talented team. It is. I mean, there is, the Blazers have the path forward to be a good team that can compete in the playoffs, but it requires peak Dame, peak CJ, and peak Nurkic, healthy Nurkic. And that's, you, you're just, that's a lot of stuff that has to go right. The other, yeah, the, I, I see what you guys are saying. The other low, low key, like motivating force in this for Damian Lillard is MVP. And mm. he's, he said, he said it over and over that he understands that it's going to take them winning for him to get it. He knows that. And if Dame puts together one of these Dame tears, one more for the road right before the postseason, it's going to be top of mind. And he's going to have another case to win that award. And I know he wants a championship more than anything else, but I know that MVP also has to be on the list of things that he would love to accomplish as a player in his career. And as a point guard, it's hard to be in the conversation with guys like Giannis, LeBron, Jokic, Embiid, and here he is. And so I'm not saying the Dame won't be in this conversation again next year, but when you have that opportunity, just like when you get to the Western Conference Finals and you're up double digits, you got to find a way to get it done. And I think that that's one thing that will be a motivating force for, for Dame down the stretch here. But yeah, it doesn't look good. Doesn't look good for the Blazers. But I'm trying here, uh, Blazers fans. I'm trying here for you. So the, the the other the other person that that can brighten up the podcast like no other is the one and only Max Barr. Guys, it's that time of the podcast. It is great to be back with another week of ripping. So on our last episode a couple weeks ago, Orlando got yet another rip and win. Jared was not happy yet again, still looking for his first win of the season. It's coming, Jared. Week it's after coming. week after week after week of disappointment. <laughs> we, are going, we are going to recap the last game we played with Nate, and then we're, we're going to have a new game with an open spot for one of our wonderful listeners to play rip it i'll get to that in a little bit but first let's get to the recap and we're going back to that loss to the bucks question was which duo will score the most points in the game Giannis and chris middleton or dame and cj orlando you and nate took the bucks duo and jared you stuck with the blazers backcourt <laughs> dame and cj combined for 50 that's pretty good. Giannis scored 47 by himself. <laughs> uh, Just 
refusing to miss a shot. The Blazers just letting him dunk as many times as he pleased. Middleton's put in 20s for a total of 67. Well, I'm off so to a fantastic start. That one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. In the game against the Thunder, which the Blazers won, question was how many players on the Thunder will score in double figures? This was a the classic four, five, six. Jared, you said four. Orlando, you said five. Nate said six. And Jared, you got this one. It was four. We had Kenrich Williams with 18, Tony Bradley with 14, Darius Miller with 11, and Moses Brown, Trailblazer legend, with 10 points. So congrats mm-hmm. to Jared on that one. You nailed there it. There we go. There we go. Blaze over or under 26 points for Kawhi Leonard. This was a sweep. You all said over. You all got it right. Leonard had 29 points in that game. And the other question was, who will make the most three-pointers? Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, or Norman Powell? Nate used the Covington rule, took his guy Rocco. Jared, you said, I want to establish a Norm Powell rule. <laughs> oh. And Orlando, you jumped on board. You said, I want to get in on that, Jared. So you guys went with Powell. I know, Max Froze. What's the answer? <laughs> oh. Come on. I thought I was tripping, man. Max, you froze. Me? What? No, you froze. What? <laughs> Who got it? <laughs> Am I back? Can you hear me? Do you yes. back. read me? I think I can hear you now. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. What was the last thing you heard? Um, that I wanted to establish the Norm Powell rule, and uh, Orlando joined me for that ride. That's right. Okay, so Marcus Morris, one for six. Covington went two for seven from three. Norm Powell, also two for seven oh, from no. three. But that means everybody everybody got it right because they tied, but they tied for the win. Okay. So everybody gets that question right, which means it all comes down to the wild card question. Oh, man. And I oh, know man. wherever Nate is, he is sweating bullets right now while he's listening to this. Oh. Here we wait, go. The wait, question... Nate's sweating bullets. I'm sweating bullets. <laughs> well, that's a given. You just go sit down, Nate. <laughs> oh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. The wild card question was, which team will Yusuf Nurkic score the most points against? Bucks, Thunder, or Clippers? Oh, man. Jared... And Nate both said the Clippers, and your rationale was he's going to play more minutes. Orlando, you went with the Thunder. Nurkic scored nine points against the Bucks, nine points against the Thunder, and unfortunately didn't play against the Clippers because oh. that was the game he sat out with right knee inflammation oh after the back-to-back. Oh, no. Orlando gets it right. Oh, Jared. Which means he caps off a four for five week, wins rip it again. Jared and Nate both had three out of five. A strong showing, but unlucky with the Clippers game. Orlando, your thoughts? Oh, that is so rip it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. Oh, Oh, amen. Progress, Jared. Progress. Man, I feel like I've been yeah. playing well. I feel like every week for the past few, I've been getting, you know, three right or can't even win with a three for. 
gosh. <laughs> well, I hope you're happy, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, he is. Yes, he's very happy. All right, guys, it is time for a new game. And my first question is, who wants to join the Rip It Pros, Jared and Orlando, in our game this week? So here's how it's going to work. Write down your answers, put them in your phone, whatever. Tweet them to us. Use the hashtag Rip It. That'll make it easier for us to find. But you can find Jared on Twitter. You're at Jared Cowley, right, Jared? That's right. Orlando is Orlando KGW on Twitter, and I am uh, at Max N Bar on Twitter. We're going to pick one listener to join the game each week. If you win, you get the shout out, you get Rip It Glory. I think it's going to be fun. So let's do it. We're going to start with Blazers at Spurs. The question is who will score the most points in this game? Norman Powell, DeJounte Murray, or Derek White? Man, I I don't think I don't know if Norm Powell de- deserves the rule yet because he didn't give me the the overall victory, but he give, did get me a point, so I'm going to go I'm going to try and establish that rule again. Uh, Norm Powell, give me Norm. I wanted you to go first because I wanted <laughs> to know whether or not the Norm Powell is a thing, and it is. So I'm back on, baby. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Blazers at Hornets. Which team will shoot a better three-point percentage in the game overall? Blazers. Hmm. Blazers, let's go. Yeah, that's uh, – Hornets have not been playing very well, I don't think, lately. So give me the Blazers. Yeah, the Hornets are dealing with some injuries right now. That's why I didn't really pick any specific players. So Yeah, yeah. Both taking the Blazers. All right, Blazers against the Clippers. Now, this game for the Clippers is either the first, I think it's the second of back-to-back for them. So I don't know if they're going to be resting their stars or not. Mm. So the question for this game is, how many Blazers will score in double figures against the Clippers? I got it with four last time. I'm going to go four again. All right. Uh, uh, let's go five. It's <laughs> <laughs> always such a crap. Not going, not going for seven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Blazers against the Nuggets. Over or under 27 and a half points for Nikola Jokic in this game? Uh, give me the over. Oh, yeah, man. Orlando, I've got to go over. over. Yep, got to go over. All right. And the wild card question of the week is, in which game, Spurs, Hornets, Clippers, or Nuggets, will there be the fewest total points scored? By both by, teams? By both teams combined. Mm. Lowest scoring game overall. Give me the, Spur- the games again. Spurs, Hornets, Clippers, or Nuggets? I'll let you go for it first, Orlando. I'll take Clippers. Think- All right, I'll cool. Take Clippers. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Hornets then. Clippers, okay. that's an interesting pick. We will find out how you did next week and we hope you guys listeners out there get in on this game it's a lot of fun yeah give us send us your answers uh, hashtag rip it so that we can look them up easily and we'll i think that we should pick 
one before the games start. So get your your get your answers in. Yeah, that would be ideal. Can. Yeah, for sure. I I like that, man. Um, I'm curious to see how this one plays out. Especially shout out to the regulars. Um, a lot of those that have been riding with us for a long time. I hope that uh, you guys participate in this so that you guys get first dibs before yep. it really gets crazy. Because once we start uh, sharing sharing it on Twitter and we start you know giving hints on on some of the questions and things like that. Um, it's going to take off because it's, it's pretty easy and it's, it's really fun. And it's a, it's a great way to revisit a lot of these games too um, as we start to get closer to the playoffs. So get out there, participate, hashtag rip it, do the thing. Um, don't let Jared get his first win. I really, I know Max made the prediction at mid season that I was going to get a win and I'm still, I still believe still putting uh, my best effort out there and coming up short every week. That's all you can do. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, guys, it, this was a great podcast. We even went a little bit over just a lot of really good content. Uh, Max, how did it feel, man? In the, in the new role? How you doing? It, feel, man? it feels good. It feels good. I'm, I'm glad to join the discussion a little bit more. Um, we definitely miss Nate, but uh, we got a lot to talk about as the season winds down clearly. So you never know what's, you never know what Shams is going to tweet out on any given morning. That's going to change the course of this podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. Oh man. Good stuff, Max. Uh, I'm so happy that uh, you're, you're doing this thing, taking on this role. You were killing it in, in week number one, right out of the gate. Jared, as usual, this was, this was good stuff, man. Let, let's run it back next week. Better than ever. Appreciate everyone rocking with us. Make sure to subscribe. Leave us those positive reviews. Share with your friends and family. Let's go. We'll see you next week. See ya.